0: Welcome to episode 20 of the Clip City Podcast. This is a draft reaction. I am Yovan Buha, your Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. I'm here with Tomer, my guy. How you doing, man?
1: I'm good. I'm happy this draft is uh, through.
0: Yeah, so it ended up being an eventful night for the Clippers. I felt like it was going to be very eventful or not eventful at all. And they ended up trading into the first round. Uh, I'm probably about to butcher this name, but for Fiondu uh, Cabangeli. Cabangeli? Yes, Fiondu Um, Cabangeli. So there you go. Uh, He is a big man, a 4-5 kind of hybrid. Uh, As Lawrence Frank said, a bit of a modern center with, with his ability to shoot the three, uh, defensively, he can protect the rim. He can switch on pick and rolls. Uh, he's pretty athletic. Uh, also, the nephew of Dikembe Mutombo, which is a cool, fun fact about him. Uh, very interesting move by the Clippers. Uh, you know, people had asked me if I thought they would trade in the first round. Into the first round, I didn't really think so, just because looking at the financial situation, it kind of makes sense that they're going to be looking to save money everywhere and, and kind of pursue. Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, whoever, and, and then also potentially get a second guy or at least have the cap space to go and get, uh, you know, split that remaining money uh, across multiple guys, uh, including potentially Patrick Beverly, uh, you know, Jermichael Green, Avita uh, Zubots. But the Clippers did, you know, trade into the first round and, and now they're going to have this guaranteed money. It's going to be about 1.98 million, almost 2 million that they are now adding to their cap sheet. Uh, what did you think of the move? And what do you think about his potential fit with the rotation?
1: Uh, I was surprised because I thought this would be one of those, you know, all-in nights where maybe Gallinari gets traded and they make moves for towards free agency. Or it was going to be a move where they just keep their 48 and uh, 56 pick and sort of just go into those with the second-round pick, second round draft picks and go from there. I like his fit. I like Cab- Cabangeli's fit. He's a good backup uh, to start off. It'll be fun to see him in summer league. Um, but I think you noted this in your article, I touched on it as well, that, you know, considering what's going on with Montrezl Harrell, he could be a free agent next year. Uh, Zubots is restricted this year. He's a good sort of like security blanket for them in case that doesn't go well uh, in free agency. Maybe maybe Trez gets a big offer. The Clippers don't want to match. Maybe Zubots gets a big offer. They don't want to match. So he, he provides a sort of security blanket. And he played two years at Florida State. He played really well second year, sophomore year. He uh, really increased his stock in the NCAA tournament. He averaged about 17 points, two blocks, eight rebounds, and led them uh, led them all the way to the Sweet 16. He's got potential. He's got potential. He can also stretch the floor out. He shot 36, 37 from three. Um, he averaged about eight rebounds for the season. So uh, he's a guy the Clippers uh, sort of like a Montrez Harrell in that he only played 20 minutes a game, but he made the most of those. Like his per 40 minute numbers are like some like 24 points and like 12, 13 rebounds, something like that. So. He made the most of his minutes, and I think that he's going to be a good prospect for the Clippers. Uh, We might see some G League time, but I think he could be a solid rotation guy for them this season.
0: Yeah, you know, I I didn't really look at the first-round guys for for the Clippers uh, when I was doing my draft homework, Uh, but I I did write a piece about 10 guys that should be available in their draft range for 48-56, and I I thought it was clear that the Clippers were going to go for a wing— a forward type or a big man just looking at the roster uh, you know they already have Shea they have Landry they have Jerome they have Lou and potentially Pat if they re-sign him it just didn't really make sense to me to go target a guard uh, you know an, a, a one or a two um, you know they've already said uh, which I reported a couple weeks ago that you know they're not really gonna go after a star point guard in free agency like a, a Kyrie or a Kemba they're really going all-in on Shea so I thought looking at kind of the type of player they would draft, it, it did make sense that they would go with a a big man and a wing. I, I, I'm with you, though, where I think it's insurance for Zubots in case he, you know, I think there is a scenario in which there's a lot of cap space this summer. There are a lot of teams that are going to strike out on free agents and, and even the second and third tier guys. It would not surprise me if someone tried to, steal Zubats away from the Clippers and, and, you know, gave him some ridiculous offer. And, and I think there, there definitely is a limit for them of, of how much they would spend on him. Uh, on top of that, Jermichael Green, I, I also see is another guy who, who can probably get overpaid in free agency uh, of what he's probably actually worth. And, and in this case, Cabanguele... I think um <laughs> you nailed it, Calvin <laughs> yeah. Um, You know he he is that type of insurance, and and the thing with him is he's already almost twenty two, so he is a bit. You know he he said in his uh, post draft availability he he feels he's polished. He feels like he can come in and play right away. Uh, so I, I think he could be potentially as we saw with a guy like Landry, who was you know uh, already twenty one. You know he could be someone that. Is a bit more mature, is a bit more poised. Who who can just you know play rotation level minutes from you know game one, day one. Especially if the Clippers do lose a Jermichael Green or do lose a, a Vito Zubats and spend their money elsewhere on like Kawhi Leonard and, and something else. I, I think it was a smart pick. Uh, you know I don't know the guy that well, but it, it looked like he was projected mid teens to to mid twenties. So to get him at twenty seven, I, I think. As Lawrence kind of alluded to afterward when he was talking to us, like it was a value thing for them of, you know, they kind of had him in a certain tier where they're like, all right, you know, at 27, it makes sense to go get this guy. And uh, I think it's just another example of the Clippers front office being very proactive, identifying the types of guys they want and then going out and getting that. The one thing I could say, though, is that Philly pick. I thought it was interesting. You know, you obviously had to give something up to get the guy. Right. But that Philly pick is super interesting to me. I think there's a minimal risk to it because, you know, just look at the Sixers' future. They're probably going to re-sign Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, if not both. And in which case, they're probably, what, the the second best, third best team in the East, the top three team. If
1: Kawhi leaves, they'll be a top two, three team.
0: Yeah, it depends what happens Kyrie's already gone. Uh, So so Boston's kind of out of the picture. Milwaukee's going to be up there. And and then it's really just what happens with Toronto and Kawhi. But I think there's a scenario in which Jimmy could leave, Tobias could leave, or you only keep one of those guys. But Philly already doesn't have a lot of depth. And to me, they really are one injury away. Uh, You know, let's say they keep Jimmy and Tobias leaves. Jimmy kind of has an injury-prone history. Right. We already know about Joel Embiid. He's been healthy for two years, has not really had a major injury in a couple of years. Like, if one of those two guys goes down, that Philly pick could all of a sudden end up being a low-20s, if not high-teens pick, potentially. So I thought there was some risk on the Clippers end for giving up that asset.
1: Well, I mean, it's also important to remember that J.J. Redick's a big part of their yeah. agency as well. He's They have no shooting outside of him, I don't think. So um they have a lot of free agents but it sounds like they're they're in this run it back mode where they just want to bring everyone back and try it again they lost on a on a four bounce game winner in game yeah. 7 I like guess just possibly the worst way to lose a series. So, yeah, I think amazing. they feel really good about themselves. I think they had maybe like 5 or 6 games together healthy in the regular season. Yeah. I think Tobias missed some games. Uh or not Tobias, it was Jimmy Butler, I believe, missed some games. Joel Embiid had a thing here or there, Ben Simmons had something, JJ had something. So they never got their full unit, you know, some time to 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 get some cohesion there. So I think they they really want to run it back. Um look, if Tobias, if they're offering Tobias the max, I think he takes it. Because I think that's a team, you know, unless he really wants to go home, do a team like Brooklyn, maybe New York, I don't know. You are right, though, that they are one injury away um, from possibly being maybe, maybe a fringe playoff team where that pick ends up being 18, 19, 20. But if they run it back, you know, and let's say Kawhi leaves, that pick is probably going to be high 20s or low 20s, actually. It was like 20, 26, 27. Yeah somewhere in that range and and even then it doesn't have much value because the, the clippers picked at 27 that's where they got cabangeli it's a good it's a good risk and i think look clearly they wanted this guy lawrence frank alluded to you know how he had a relationship with mutombo from the nets and this guy is the nephew of mutombo so clearly there's a relationship there uh through his you know lawrence touched on his agent as well and the relationship they have there so it was clear the clippers really wanted this guy as we've seen with this front office, they they're making a lot of really smart decisions. So if they see something in this guy, clearly, giving the pick in their eyes, giving up the Sixers' pick was worth it. In my opinion, if the Sixers run it back, which I think they should, that pick is not going to be much more than a twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven pick. But you yeah. never know; they're an injury away from, from something changing. Never yeah,
0: sure. and then, you know it, it also depends on the depth of next year's draft. Like right. I think the knock on this year's draft was it wasn't a very top-heavy draft outside of the first maybe two, three, four guys, but. The, there was a lot of depth in this draft where, you know, you could make the case like 10 through 30, 10 through 35 were all very similarly, um, you know, skilled and, and talented players. So who knows, maybe, maybe next year's draft is more top heavy and I haven't really studied next year's draft yet, but I just think it's something to note of, you know, next summer, let's see where Philly's at. Uh, you know, pick wise, and, and you know what pick the Clippers could have could have had, and and you know what guy is available then, and it's always just going to be a what if now uh, for, from this trade. But the second guy that they drafted, Terrence Mann, uh, his second Seminole. You know, now they're the for- the Florida State Clippers. Yeah. Uh, and, and Lawrence Frank actually mentioned to us that he he thinks that there's something to having two guys as teammates. This is now the third time the Clippers have done it uh, where they had Angel Delgado and Desi Rodriguez on the G League team, the Agua Caliente Clippers last season and then a long time, I want to say it was 2013, 2012 they drafted uh, Trey Tompkins and Travis Leslie both from Georgia in the second round Uh, neither guy ended up having an NBA career so I think they hope it turns out better than <laughs> than, than well, that one did. But I think it was interesting that the whole teammate dynamic of drafting guys, because like for me at first glance, I'm like I, I really like I can see that being a secondary factor. I hope that wouldn't be a you know a primary factor where you're like, oh, we're in between these two guys, but this guy's his teammate, so we're gonna draft it. Like I believe in like best available and regardless of relationship between the, the you know teammates, but. That, is, that was something interesting that Lawrence pointed out. Um, what, what what did you think about that, and what do you think about the pick?
1: Uh, I was surprised to see them pick a second Florida State guy. You know, these are young guys. These are 20, these are young men, 21, 22-year-olds, who are making moves literally across the country. Um, and I think when it comes to comfortability and, and just having someone else you're going that's going through this with you. I think that helps along the way. Obviously there are guys who have been there and they can talk you through it, but it's different to go through this whole, you know, this whole thing with someone else, you know, you've played along the way with, uh, you have familiarity with, um, Lawrence made it sound like this guy was the best available guy who they also wanted. Uh, they touched on his defense, his versatility, some of his passing and they, they said he's an improved shooter. Um, I don't know how much of that he showcased uh, at Florida State, but again, it, their scouting team has been has been terrific the last couple of years. Maybe there is something there. He's just he's just a raw talent. I mean, you touched on this earlier. He probably looks a little bit like Cindarius in the way he defends, um, and with yeah, his I size.
0: Think, I think yeah, I think his skill set kind of. It is similar to Cindarius. Maybe he can
1: become the shooter that Cindarius hasn't become yet, you know? Yeah. Maybe he can be that guy who can you can throw in the corner, a three and D guy who can, you can throw in the corner, make the three and throw him on like the second best guy or the best guy and just lock him down. I mean, if you have Kawhi, you're probably putting Kawhi on the best guy, but
0: yeah, what well, well, so he did shoot, he shot 39% as a senior at Florida State, but overall uh, from three overall he was a 32.7% percent 3 one shooter, which obviously is uh, not a great, not a terrible mark, but not a great mark either. Uh, you know, I would say slightly below average. Um, my thing with with him that I think is interesting is there were some guys that you know I had written about um, so some guys that had been kind of projected early to mid second round that that didn't get drafted, um, like like Louis King, uh, Jalen McDaniel's ended up getting taken around that same time, but uh Daquan Jeffries and I'm not the biggest college guy so like this was just a lot of me doing research and and kind of talking to people and figuring out who would be in the mix but I did find it interesting that the the Clippers now looking at their last two drafts and and even if you throw in Landry as you know not a guy they drafted but a guy they traded for as a rookie so you know for all intents and purposes he kind of was a a rookie they drafted with, with that class Outside of Shea, they have gone for older guys, and I find that interesting because the trend recently has been, you know, drafting younger guys. and And you know, there's been a lot of senior bias uh, against seniors, where if once a guy's already 21, 22, a lot of teams will stay away from him. They prefer the nineteen or twenty year old. Uh, and I know it, it it can sound a little ridiculous talking about like a year difference, but. You know, there are a lot of statistical models that show that, you know, uh, uh, if a player comes into the league earlier, they have a better chance of improving. And if they come in at like 22, 23, they they have a lower ceiling just because they've already kind of developed to a certain point. Uh, So I do think it's interesting that the Clippers, uh, they have this kind of model of we want tough guys. We want blue collar guys. We want, you know, they're trying to go more defensive minded as that was kind of a weakness of the roster last season. But it also is interesting to me that you know between Jerome, uh, Landry, uh, now Fee—I'm just going to call him Fee—and <laughs> uh, and Terrence, uh, you know they they've gone with older guys because you know again Fee is almost 22, Terrence I think is 21 also, but he was a senior, uh, and then obviously Jerome and, and Landry were both 21 and turned 22 during the season, so. That that's a little interesting thing I've noticed where they're going with more older and poised guys. Yeah, I just think this team is looking for a lot of
1: like you know, experienced guys in the sense that they don't want these nineteen year olds coming out and and I think they do have they do want to develop these guys, but they also want guys who are high character, who have you know who are about what they want and maybe the nineteen year olds nineteen twenty year olds aren't what they're looking for. Um, maybe guys like Jerome and Landry who. Have shown, you know, playing through, uh, you know, all sorts of adversity and and going through things. Maybe those are the guys you're looking for. Um, Jerome has gone through a a tough year. Yeah. Um. So he's in for a big one. We'll see if he can really capitalize on that. But Landry, Landry, really showcased what he what he what he can do. He can be one of the, I mean, down the line, maybe one of the best shooters in the game. He finished, I believe, it was fourth or fifth in the all time rookie three point um, leaderboard. Yeah. No. No. no.
0: And and that's like I'm not I'm not saying. I'm not criticizing. Like, to be clear, I'm not criticizing. I just think it's an interesting kind yeah, of counter yeah. trend mm-hmm. that everyone seems to be going younger, and you just see like uh, I don't I don't know the exact breakdown, but I think like last year uh, broke the draft record of how many freshmen were taken in the first round. Right. This year was probably similar. Well, Shea um,
1: was Shea was 19 or 18. When so was yeah, Shea Shea's Shay,
0: the Shay's one the where line. like you know he. And he could have even gone higher, you know. There was talks of him potentially going to Cleveland at like number eight. Yeah. Uh. You know, it was kind of him versus Sexton. So you know, Shea to me, I think, was kind of a no brainer of like this guy just is special and clearly right. like he's you know the point guard of the future. Uh But and look, Landry was a great. You know, that was ended up being a great trade for the Clippers. He's now their shooting guard for the foreseeable future, and I think that makes a lot of sense. But. You know, Jerome, like you said, kind of had a rocky up and down year, especially in comparison with Shea and Landry. And we'll see what happens with, with these two players and kind of how how NBA ready they actually are. Because that's that's always the thing, you know. I think when when teams draft older guys is like if you're drafting a more like ready now like guy who can help you, he better be ready now and, and can help you now. Otherwise you're kind of like like if you're not gonna play the guy or like you know, he's just not ready to play then why not take the 19, 20-year-old because that, then you're giving yourself a, a bigger window versus like, because once a guy's already 24, 25, 26, players usually are who they are. Like it's right. rare, right. it's rare we see a star, like maybe an Oladipo is kind of someone who uh, was like a later breakout guy. But for the most part, once you're, like, 24, 25, like, you kind of are what you are in the league. You could still get better, but it's rare to see a guy be, like, a a bench player or, like, barely playing at 25 and then all of a sudden pop at, like, 26, 27. So, uh, and not not that we're holding these guys to that level, but I just think there is some pressure. I think when you draft older guys, there's some pressure of, like, they kind of got to be ready now.
1: I'd be curious to know where this uh, scouting team and, and sort of front office, how they view drafting older guys because they've they seem to just focus on mainly getting guys who will fit their mold and their identity jerome is a bit of a i think we can say jerome was a bit of a reach at 13 um i think people projected him more like 19 20 they feel like he fits the mold very well regardless of his age so um and he, he could he could still pan out he's only 22 he's gonna be 23 this year so he could still pan out but I'd be curious to see if they if they actually look at the age as much as they focus on. Maybe they focus more on the the fit, the mold, like like Lawrence was talking about, the grit, the toughness, the hard playing attitude, and all that. Um, maybe the age isn't as big of a factor for this team as it is for maybe other teams where going more for youth and and player development.
0: So an interesting uh, consequence of trading into the first round, getting that one point nine eight million guarantee. Is the potential ramifications on the salary cap, and for me, what what this might signal, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to jump the gun. I don't want to speculate too much, but I do wonder if this might mean the Clippers aren't as confident that they're getting someone or getting a couple guys because if they're getting a couple guys, like for example, if they if they were getting Katie and Kawhi. That's going to end up being over sixty-eight. I think you know, close to sixty-nine million in cap space. And to clear that level of cap space, you're going to have to trade Daniel Gallinari. Uh, But even then, I mean, I have to look at it now. But like, you're still very close Uh, here. You just pulled it up. Yeah, they have forty-nine million in cap space with Gallo. Uh, I mean, forty-nine million committed with Gallo. I think that's including Sin and Ty is guaranteed. I if you so. take that out, that's like closer to forty-six. So forty-six million. That's about that's about sixty-three million cap space. Now, what that's not factoring in is the uh, the roster cap holds. So every every for every player you are under thirteen, uh, you know players or thirteen roster spots, there's a nine hundred thousand dollars charge. So for the Clippers, even if you dumped Gallo, so you got. Uh, one, two, three. You got five guys on the roster, so there would be eight times nine hundred thousand, which I'm not uh two million. Uh, million? So, yeah, so, so so yeah, so without Gallo, it'd be about twenty three point something million. So add that seven, so they're at about thirty. So they would have, in, in that case, uh, what seventy nine million? Uh, what's the cap? One oh nine. One oh nine is the projection. It could be higher. It could be lower. We'll know by the end of the month, but. About seventy. Yeah, so about uh, about seventy. Well, they're 30, Yeah, seventy-nine. I, I'm, I haven't done math since like junior <laughs> year of high school. So, uh, but yeah, so seventy-nine, and, and then that's also you know not factoring in the free agent cap holds, right? So you have Pat, and now that you know a, a Pat, for example, you know if you add Pat in, that would take away a nine hundred thousand from that roster cap. But but anyway, we're, we're getting too into the minutiae right now. But point being, like, $2 million is actually kind of important to the Clippers. And I think what this signals is, to me, either, one, they don't think they're getting two max guys. Uh, or at least not the KD, Kawhi, or KD, someone else. like Because KD's max is higher uh, by about almost $7 million compared to... Kawhi, Jimmy, Kyrie, you know, uh, just based on experience level. I think that they either signals they're they're not confident in that or, you know, they really are re- kind of ready to let Ty and, and Sin go. At least, you know, one of them, if not both. Now, they don't have to let both go to clear uh, the cap space to get a KD or a, you know, a Kawhi, like their max cap space is not in jeopardy. They can comfortably sign either one of those guys, but to get a second guy or even another guy in that like 20 to 25 million range, which could potentially be Al Horford, they are going to have to, you know, do a little bit of cap wiggling. And to me, I just think it is interesting that they decided to add on 2 million and potentially more, you know, if they, if they sign Terrence Mann, uh, you know, they, they, could replace, they could also replace Tyerson with, with him uh, if they really like him. You know, I, I just think it, it is interesting to me that they decided to add the guaranteed money and it, it could signal the end of at least one or two of those guys unless they're willing to let everyone else walk. Zubots, you know, Pat, uh, Jermichael. And that's also not even, like, they're going to have the cap Holds of uh Zubots and Rodney Magruder, who they'll probably uh, you know uh, extend qualifying offers to make them restricted free agents. So, like, there's a lot of moving parts here. Uh, A lot of things can happen if, like, if Pat signs immediately with another team, that would actually help the Clippers if they're not bringing him back. Uh, So, a lot of different things can happen. Uh, there's a lot of what ifs, a lot of if this happens, then that. But to me, it, it is interesting that they decided to add a financial burden to their cap sheet. That they did not necessarily have to have if they just took two second round guys.
1: Well, here's the thing that the two max slots includes keeping Gallinari, correct?
0: No, no, you got to trade Gallo. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, there have been reports that KD could be open to a sign and trade. Like the Warriors might give him the the max that he wants, you know, as as a as a favor for him playing injured, playing through his injury. They might give him the five year max that he wants, and then facilitate some kind of trade.
0: Well, I don't actually, know how that plays into the Clippers' favor. Go back to quickly. Like, you don't have to trade Gallo, but like, there, there's other like you could you, you could trade. Renounce, you, have, have you have to renounce. You have to renounce everybody, mind. and yeah. then like, so because like that that total right, uh, the 49. the forty nine. So if you get rid of and Sin, that's forty six, and then adding in, yeah, adding in Fee would be forty eight, and then that's also not counting the roster charges. So that would get you to about. 40, uh 50 something 56 yeah so even then you're looking at like 50 million in cap space so you sign Kawhi, you have 18 million left um and then the roster charges go away every time you sign so like yeah you're you're playing with about maybe like 20 like low 20s cap space uh so to get to close to 30 you would have to dump gallo you could dump trez or lou but i just don't see that happening uh i think dumping Gallo would be more realistic and you could potentially even get an asset back for him in terms of like a pick or or money or or trade exception, whatever. So I think, you know, realistically if the Clippers are going to pursue a second and they don't strike me as a team that necessarily wants to be super top heavy. So like, I almost think the Clippers will, you know, they get Kawhi, they're going to want to split that remaining money with with multiple guys, Mm -hmm. uh, potentially keeping Pat or whatever. So, We're going off on a little bit of a tangent here, or at least I am. uh, But I I just thought that was an interesting thing that like, you know, if anything, we thought, like you said, they would be dumping Gallo at the trade deadline or I mean at the draft tonight or potentially the start of free agency, which could still happen, uh, but they took on salary. And I just thought that was a a little interesting detail with, um, you know, maybe a potential shift in their strategy this summer.
1: Well, this, this just could go back to the fact that maybe the, you know, if they're not confident in getting two guys and they are confident in maybe getting just Kawhi, um, they'll get Kawhi and then fill out the roster with guys like Gille or guys like Mann and guys like those types of guys who, who you can get for cheap and, and, and sort of bring what you think uh, you need to surround Kawhi. Um, they don't necessarily need a second star, um, Yeah, at least not for this year. If you fill it out with good pieces that fit Kawhi well, we saw that in Toronto this year. They had good, solid pieces. They didn't have a second star.
0: I mean, Siakam played pretty Ockham's well. Talking was borderline. Yeah. But- I, thought the, I thought the one difference, and, and this is a thing that I actually think, um, you know, I, I just said this in my last podcast, which was earlier this week. I do think you could probably make the argument that Toronto's supporting cast is better than the Clippers. I think it's it's debatable, and the reason the reason I like Toronto is a little bit more, like, because I was saying basically that Kawhi's best situation might just be the one plus one, staying yeah. in Toronto in the short term, riding this thing out for another year or two, defending the title. And then, you know, depending on how things look for the next season, making his decision in 2020 or 2021, do I want to go to the Clippers? Do I want to go somewhere else? Do I want to stay in Toronto? Uh, But the one thing I I think that Toronto has over the Clippers, if we're comparing them as as potential win-now situations, is Toronto has a lot better defensive pieces. And, you know, for as good as... First off, we don't even know if the Clippers are going to keep Patrick Beverly. But even if they keep Patrick Beverly, for as good as he is defensively, he is 6 foot 1 and there are limitations and like we saw the the job he did on KD in the first two games of the playoffs but then you also saw once KD got go- like and that's not Pat's fault he's he's 6 he's foot 1 he hand. should be guarding and he should be guarding guards like yeah. he, like the fact that he's a, he stepped up defended Paul George defended LeBron defended KD throughout the season like that speaks to just his character and just how, you know, the way he plays and his defensive ability. But realistically, you want Pat Beverly on ones and twos. You don't really want him on threes and fours. So taking Pat out of the equation, though, it's like, you know, Shea was a rookie and, you know, he's got the frame to be a good defender, but he was kind of inconsistent this year. Uh, Landry stepped up in the playoffs, but he's not necessarily like a defensive stopper. Then you got like, you know, Zubats, who statistically was really good, but um you know i i think the 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 coaching staff had some issues with some of the stuff he did defensively and like Gallo was an underrated defender but like but then you look at the flip side of like Toronto it's like Siakam is a 6'10 like six nine, six ten, mobile athletic freak like Marcus Soul is a reigning defensive player of the year and really hasn't dropped off that much defensively cuz he, he's still pretty mobile compared to how mobile he used to be mm-hmm. uh Kyle Lowry's a bulldog defensively similar to like a Pat um Danny Green is is arguably like outside of Clay Thompson, like the best three and D guy in the league, or you know in that conversation. Uh, so. And then even Fred Van Vliet, he did an amazing job on Steph Curry, probably defended Steph, as well as anyone in the playoffs outside of maybe Landry. Uh, I can't so, remember how he played, but I think OG Ananobi was also solid. He, he, he was injured. Yeah, he was injured. Uh, but and and then the Nor, Norm Powell's an athletic wing. Like, the the Raptors are a very oh, – we didn't even mention Serge Ibaka, who, yeah, sure. you know, had a six-block game in the finals. So the Raptors are a very defensive-minded, athletic, long team, and, and that's the one, I think, weakness of the Clippers was that – defensively, we thought there was going to be this clamp city situation that never happened. Luke Mobamute played four games. (laughs) Avery Bradley really has not been the same caliber defender the last couple of years. Pat was, you know, really good in the all defense conversation, but he was kind of buried on the bench a bit. The first, you know, half of the season, uh, behind Avery behind Lou behind even Shea to some extent. So, you know, he didn't really have a bigger role until January, February, uh, so I guess you know we're now we're kind of going into a separate conversation, but I do think for the Clippers, um, it is you know it is going to be interesting how what happens with Kawhi and and if you know if it's you know just Kawhi or if it you know if KD gets in the mix or kind of what that secondary pieces are around those guys, but I do think that if you're the Clippers, kind of I mean and I think they did it with these two guys like you got to be looking. Tough, athletic, defensive-minded pieces. Ideally guys who could shoot, but you can't have everything with a player. Uh, but I think for the Clippers, like the focus this season is gonna you know, this summer is gonna be adding def- defenders, long athletic guys who could switch, play multiple positions, because that's the modern NBA. That's the way you make the conference finals, the finals, and that's really how you slow down the best offenses.
1: Well, look, with regards to the Raptors um unit, I think they're probably a better fit for Kawhi in terms of um, winning now, um, but as Lauren said, there's just you have to control what you can control, and um, you know a lot of times he said, and I quote, a lot of times whether it's a draft or free agency, everyone makes decisions that's personal to them, everyone has their own why, and so we're just gonna see what Ka- what Kawhi's why is, you know why why will I stay in Toronto, <laughs> yeah. why will Kawhi stay in Toronto, or why will Kawhi come to LA? Everyone has their own you know personal reason, so. You know, maybe you know, Toronto's bench probably is better suited for Kawhi, but maybe he just really wants to go home. Um, maybe Kawhi sees that, you know, the Raptors have, I think, one guy signed past next year. Everyone else is a free agent. Lowry, Ibaka, Gasol. Maybe he goes, you know what, let's just try running it one more time, running it back one more time. Um, the Warriors are going to be incredibly depleted. We've already beaten everyone in the East. Maybe we try to run it back, win another title. And after that, he can decide, okay, now I want to go Wherever I want to go, maybe I'm. More, maybe he's more comfortable with it. Then, um, I, I from what I remember, I can't recall a, a, a player, an MVP type player, winning a championship and leaving the team he just That's won with. It's never happened. It's never happened. Kyrie left the year after they lost.
0: Everyone's after you know LeB- LeBron yeah. th- three times. Well, twice after they lost. Uh, Shaq twice after they lost. KD. Well, KD hasn't left yet, but if he leaves, it's going to be after they lost. Yeah.
1: So we j- we just never seen that. So. Um, it just depends on what, what Kawhi decides, and um, I do agree with you that they're going to need a lot of uh, a lot of lengthy wings. Um, you never know if if Kawhi decides to come to LA, um, could the Clippers maybe look at Danny Green? Because I, I like Danny Asian. Green a lot. He could be affordable. He could be a guy that Kawhi really. I think Kawhi's played most of his his entire career actually with Danny Green. Yeah. Um. So maybe that's a guy that they they want to look at if they get Kawhi, and um, obviously they wouldn't get a second star in that situation. But they'd be filling out the rest of their roster with, you know, a five million guy here, a seven million guy here, ten million guy like Danny Green. I think that's what he he's making this
0: year. Um, I mean, I, th- I think if I think if you just somehow kept, and I think it would be tough financially to make it work. But if you kept if you signed Kawhi, you kept Pat Jamichael and Zoo, and you added Danny Green, I, I you know, and again it would just depend on I think Pat and Jermichael would probably have to take a little bit less money than they could get and it it, i i you know i think pat's made it clear he's going to enjoy free agency he's already entertaining the bulls the mavericks the lakers like uh, i think he he's going to have a lot of interest and someone like someone's probably going to end up paying pat like 15 million a year something ridiculous where you're just like how is he getting that much but i
1: do think uh, it's important to add that in his exit interview though um you know i asked him what he what he values the most and he said winning Winning is why I play. Winning is why I play basketball. So although he will secure the back from some team, I think situationally he's going to look at that as well, that he is he's not going to want to go to a team like the Bulls who are going to win 25, 26 games. He's not going to want to go to a team like the Suns they are going to win 25, 26 games. Um, so I, I think it will be a mix of both. He deserves to be paid, and I think he should go for wherever, he, the, wherever the money is. Um, but if he has to take a, a little bit of a pay cut to stay with the Clippers, a team that maybe has Kawhi at that time, and can compete for a championship in a wide open West um I wouldn't be surprised if that's something you just dis- he considers um so for- <laughs> to Michael to michael as well I mean in his in his uh not exiting view, but uh on Instagram after the season he said looking forward to running it back with these guys next year um you know everyone knows what the clippers financial situation is and who they're looking at yeah so clearly these guys built some kind of bond um now we, everything could change in a couple of weeks we don't know um, but I think their heart is here, at least for now.
0: I, I'm I'm kind of worried about Pat, to be honest. Like, I, I think, you know, because think about what what he said to you and think about when that was. That was end of April. A lot has changed. You know, he's he's been playing into the free agency thing on Twitter, on, he's on, on Instagram. It. He's enjoying it. Uh, on, you know, he just told TMZ a couple days ago, I'm trying to get as much, like, whoever's going to pay me the most is where I'm going to go. Obviously, it's TMZ. You don't, like, he's probably just having fun with them. But right. I do think there's an element to... Um, you know, I've I've wrote about this uh, a couple times during the season like Pat's only made 25 million during his career and you know I say only, but like for a guy who's in his early 30s of the stature of Pat Beverly, 25 million really is not that much and I think for him this is probably his last big contract. If you can, if you offer him, like, a three-year, $45 million deal, he's I think there's no way he doesn't take that. Yeah. E- even 336 is probably going to be enough to get him. Uh, like, I feel like if he re-signs with the Clippers, it's probably going to be in the eight to $10 million range annually, and I don't know if he's willing to go that low. So I guess where I, where I was going was I was going to say, like, for me, the ideal offseason is still Kawhi and KD, even with the KD injury. Uh, I think he's going to end up being fine and come back, even at eighty percent, he's basically Dirk Nowitzki. He's I've been have saying most that, of the league, yeah. 80%. Like I've been saying he's Dirk Nowitzki. Like he, you know, he can't really move, but he can still shoot over anybody at any time. He had a, uh, he
1: had a Jones fracture in his foot, which a lot of athletes struggle to come back from. This was a couple yeah. years ago in OKC. He was just fine after that. Uh, obviously, this is different with the Achilles, but. Um, like you said, eighty percent of of KD is better than he, he,
0: he's seven feet. He's one of the best shooters ever. Like he and scores ever. He's gonna be fine. He, even even you saw in the Raptors game that you know the injury happened. He could barely. I, he did not clearly move that well, but he still had eleven points, and they were much better with him on the floor. So yeah. even if at worst he's like Ryan Anderson, he's gonna be an amazing <laughs> Ryan Anderson. Uh, now I think that's the best case scenario. But second best to me would be like Kawhi keep Pat, zoo and Jermichael, and then add like a Danny green or like someone of that, like three and D mold, just another guy into the mix. And then you're looking at like, you know, probably zoo gat. Well, Gallo maybe is moved, but maybe is kept, you know, it kind of depends how much they want to keep the other guys and how much they want to pay them. Like if they traded Gallo, they could pay the other guys more, but like, let's just say like zoo Gallo, Kawhi Landry or Danny green starting, and Shea, and then off the bench, uh, Trez, Jermichael, Danny Green or, or Landry at the backup three, yeah. and then Lou and Pat. And, and there's your 10-man rotation. I think that's probably the best 10-man rotation in the league. That ter- sec- second unit could start for a lot of teams. Yeah, like that, That you know, so that to me is the ideal offseason. I'm at the, I fully expect one of Pat or Jermichael to leave at this point. I just don't think financially the Clippers are going to have enough to pay both. Uh, I, I've always been thinking it's been Jermichael, and that the Clippers were going to. Prior- I think they're going to prioritize Pat. I just think at this point it's getting ridiculous. Where like, if it gets to fifteen million, even like twelve, thirteen, I don't know if they're going to pay him that much. I, I, I feel like ten, eleven is kind of like that limit for them.
1: I don't know what team is going to go to fifteen. I mean, they might. But
0: like I could, I could see, see like, sees, like a lot for a 31 year old who's had an injury prone history. I could see like like Sacramento or something. just like like they're are teams that will like just throw money like there's gonna be a lot of money this summer and, and ma- now maybe they don't give them the three years maybe it's like a two years thirty million a lot of money yeah uh, two years twenty eight million whatever they but, but
1: a deal one year fifteen
0: yeah like so, something like that like I I just think you know uh, Phoenix I know they just they just got a point guard but uh, or no they got. So Phoenix did not. <laughs> Phoenix did not get a point guard. Uh, I was incorrect, and you know Phoenix has been in the market for a point guard. Now, It seems like they have their sights set on D'Angelo Russell. But if they strike out, I could see Pat. Uh, I could see Pat in Chicago. Uh, I know, like you said, winning is important for him. But um, you know, money I, could be more m- important. M- money, and it's it's hard to like you know we know if Pat leaves, there's going to be a bunch of people who are pissed and are gonna you know how do you leave blah blah. blah but like. Money is a big factor, and it's easy to say you wouldn't take the extra money if you're not in the situation. But if, you know, it, it just like in any job, you if you got offered more money, you would strongly consider leaving no matter how happy you are in a situation. Yeah. So, um, you know, it doesn't mean you would do it, but you'd at least consider it, and I think that's where we are with Pat. But anything else to add before we wrap up here? Um, any interesting notes or nuggets you thought from the night?
1: Uh, I just think... Not necessarily draft related, but Gallo's coming off his healthiest year, possibly his career, and I feel like you know, even though it wasn't on draft night, the Clippers will want to maximize his value now and trade him as an expiring to some team that's really maybe feel like they can they can contend. Maybe they they want to eat a lot of eat some salary. I don't. I'm not sure, but the Clippers I feel like need to maximize Gallo's value now before he possibly suffers an injury he's playing for the italian national team yeah two summers ago he broke his hand punching someone in the face and then that just sparked a bunch of injuries the glute injury the other hand injury yeah so it's just like and it's not a knock on him it's just it's just how it's it's how his body is so i feel like the clippers need to maximize this the great gallo year that he had and then from there you can possibly uh like you touched on keep jemichael keep pat maybe add a danny green if you are able to add a Kawhi Leonard, I, I just I'm just excited to see the guys they they drafted in summer league to see what they can what they can bring. Um, excited to speak to these guys and see where their minds are with the team, with the players, the guys they'll be playing with. Yeah, other than that, I'm looking forward to a very eventful free agency. Been an eventful drafty. We've had 17 trades, 10 during <laughs> the draft alone. Yeah, I th- I think the next couple of weeks should be fun, but. I think the Clippers should should definitely look to maximize Gallo's value now. Trade him, and then try and get Kawhi, a guy like Danny Green, re-sign Pat, and re-sign uh, Zoo and Jamichael.
0: Uh, are you on the Clippers payroll? Have Have you heard about this rumor?
1: I am not in the Clippers payroll.
0: Have you heard this rumor
1: yet? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I have not heard this rumor.
0: Yeah, there there is a rumor on Lakers Reddit, which. I do not go on Lakers Reddit. This was passed along to me by someone. All right. That uh, right. that there's a quote-unquote insider. I think he works for AEG, and apparently, according to the thread, he's got he's gotten stuff right before. So people are trying to say he's credible, hmm. um, and he's claiming that there are media people getting paid by Steve Ballmer and the Clippers to have propaganda to promote the Clippers and make them look good. (laughs) And so they're linking them to free agents like Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant and, you know, whoever. And that is meant to improve the Clippers' perception. And even though they're not going to get any of these people, but it's just to improve the perception of the Clippers. And Steve Baller's paying people millions of dollars to say these things. I will say... I have not been paid by the Clippers. I can confirm that I've not gotten millions of dollars. Otherwise, uh, I haven't gotten a dollar. I've gotten a bobblehead, but that was that was, that was cool. But I will say, if if, if you're listening, Steve so you Bomber, <laughs> my my uh, my corruption is open. I I'm willing to take millions of dollars to say positive things. I'm willing to take less than millions of dollars to say positive things. Uh, but with that said. Uh, the Most interesting thing for me, and it's been the most interesting thing for the last two months, is are the Clippers getting Kawhi like that? You know, I'm with you. I think they got. I think they got to trade Gallo. Uh, I, I I've been saying, you know, I, I'd been saying more recently, like I think they got to trade Gallo, even if they don't get a max guy, even if they don't get a second max. You know, maximize value. Whether you're just getting Kawhi and, and and you know keeping guys or signing guys, or you're not even getting Kawhi and you're just like we're running it back to some extent and. Um, you know, just keeping Pat, keeping Jermichael, whatever. Like, I think, like you said, this is Gallo's all-time high trade value. He just came off his healthiest season in, like, six years. Career highs in uh, points. I think, you know,
1: uh, three-point shooting. Bo- borderline rebound, all-star. Yeah.
0: Borderline all-NBA guy. Uh, You know, and, and I really think, you know, healthy Gallo is a top 35 player in the NBA, which is a really, really good player. Um, and I, I think you know, you just, because his health is always a concern, you just don't know. And I think if you're the Clippers, you got to sell high. And I think they're going to, and I think it never really, it it didn't make that much sense to trade him today unless they were going to get a pick back or something, um, you know, or be really aggressive with with a team looking to trade into space. Like you saw today, uh, the the Pacers traded for TJ Warren, something like that. Like they could have traded Gallo into that cap space that the Pacers are going to have, but... You know they got to do that, but then you know, really at the end of the day, look like we all care is, is Kawhi coming? You know what's what's going to happen? How is this team going to look if they get him? You know, is it going to attract other guys? Does that make them more likely to get a second guy? Like, th- there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of dominoes to the Kawhi domino. He's kind of in charge of free agency right now because he he can dictate things one way or the other. Uh, so. I'm very interested to see that. We will know more in the coming days. It's going to be what today's now the 21st, so yeah. we got a we got nine days. It's going to be a very interesting uh, week and a half. And you know stuff's going to leak. You know reports are going to come out. People are going to change their minds on certain things already. Kyrie, you know, supposedly is is less likely to go to Brooklyn unless he could bring KD with him. So. You know, that wouldn't surprise me if that shifts to the Lakers where now it's like, all right, Kyrie, you know, Lakers on the front runners or Kyrie or something like that. So
1: the eye emojis are out of control, right? Yeah, now. The, the, <laughs> out of control.
0: Uh, you, you know, you, you can't step away from your phone already. My phone's on airplane mode right now, and it's probably like three trades have happened. So <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, uh, Tomer, where can they find you on social media? Uh,
1: you can follow me at Tomer Azarly. That's T-O-M-E-R-A-Z-A-R-L-Y on Twitter and Instagram. Um, follow some of my work at Clutch Points but follow it after you follow Yovan's work on The Athletic <laughs> he does great work thank you I can you. vouch for that I can vouch for that you. he does great work um, yeah thanks for having me man I appreciate it
0: yeah so follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha that is at J-O-V-A-N B-U-H-A if you have not subscribed to The Athletic yet please do so we have we currently have a sale going on uh, we had an NBA draft sale for 40% Posted on my Instagram story, but you can find that on the Athletics uh, Twitter account. I also retweeted it, uh, so you can just check that out on Twitter. Uh, You can subscribe for a week for free. If you like it, you can continue to subscribe. If you don't like it, you can unsubscribe. But I highly recommend against that. And of course, most importantly, subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. It's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, You can type in Clip City, Blue Wire. Or if you're listening to it, you probably are on that page or platform right now. Uh, so please subscribe, rate, and review. I actually just went through and read the last batch of reviews. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, Pretty much all positive. One person said my voice is too deep and they can't understand me. But they gave me a five-star rating, so I appreciate that. Thank How you. That- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I appreciate it. I think I've only got... I've gotten like 50 reviews or 51 reviews and all of them have been five-star except one person gave me a four-star. So thank you. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. And as always, reach out to me, Twitter, Instagram, if you have a question and I'm happy to answer it.
2: If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Go to rcahelp.com podcast for more information on how to get treatment. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse for young adults, for adults 50 plus, for the LGBTQ plus community, a confidential program for first responders and service members, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Go to rcahelp.com slash podcast for help. rcahelp.com slash podcast.